Bullseye with Jesse Thorne is a production of MaximumFun.org and is distributed by NPR. It's Bullseye. I'm Jesse Thorne. Now, if you know Eugene Levy, you know that one of his standout roles was in American Pie. It was back in 1999. Fun fact, he is actually the only actor to be in all eight, eight of the movies in the entire American Pie franchise. In those movies, he plays the dad of Jason Biggs, who's the main character. And it was an iconic role for Eugene Levy. And really, he is perfect for it. I mean, I can't see anyone else blending straight-faced humor and humanity in the way that Eugene does. But here's the thing. Originally, he didn't even want to do it. I credit my ma- my ma- my then-manager, who must have called me like eight, ten times just to say, you should take the meeting. You're, you're the only adult in the movie. That's what it came down to. So I went down, and I met Paul and Chris Weitz. So they said, well, c- well you know what? Now, this is, they're shooting like in two weeks. Uh, they said, well, next set, come in on set. Would you be willing to come in on Saturday with Jason Biggs, who's playing your son, and we can go through the scenes and just, we can improvise. I said, yeah, okay, okay, all right, all right. So that's what happened. We came in and we started from scene one and we just kind of improvised these scenes and it was, and it felt good. It was like fun working for me. It was kind of funny and they were laughing and, you know, it was it was great. It's bullseye. I'm so excited to have this next guest on the show, the one and only Eugene Levy. Eugene is, of course, among the heaviest of hitters in the comedy world. Hailing from Toronto, he was a founding member of SCTV, the pioneering sketch comedy show that helped launch the careers of Levy, along with Rick Moranis, Catherine O'Hara, John Candy, and many more. Eugene also collaborated with Chris Guest on almost all of Guest's movies, co-writing and starring, usually. Levy also starred in the American Pie movies, and now he's reunited with Catherine O'Hara in the sitcom Shit's Creek. That's spelled S-C-H-I-T-T, by the way. We have to spell it when we say that's for legal reasons, really. Anyway, he was just nominated for an Emmy for lead comedy actor on Schitt's Creek, his first nomination in 36 years. The show was created by Eugene and his son, Dan Levy. Eugene plays Johnny Rose, the patriarch of a socialite family that has lost their fortune. Johnny and his wife Moira, played by Catherine, head to the last place they can call their own, the backwoods Canadian town Johnny bought as a gag gift the year before. Together, the family pieces their life back together. They run a hotel and get jobs. It's a mix between Faulty Towers and Green Acres, starring some of the most brilliant comic minds in the world. When I chatted with Eugene Levy back in 2018, the show was headed into its fifth season. Let's hear a little bit of it. In this clip, Johnny and his wife Moira are in their room in the motel. Johnny pulls the curtains from the window and looks out. He's dressed sharp, and it finally looks like the family is going to settle into their new small-town life. Only they're about to get some bad news. Ah, now that is what I call a beautiful morning. Looks like another full house tonight. Things are starting to look up, sweetheart. Big waves, big waves. Oh, yes. Yes, tidal waves of prosperity are crashing down all around us. Soon enough. You just wait. Hey, partner, what's the good word? There's a dead guy in room four. What? What do you mean there's a dead guy in room... Come in, come in. 
Did I hear what I think I heard? Has someone been killed? No. No. No, John, no. No. I have endured a cornucopia of trauma the last few years. I draw the line at living in a crime scene. Okay, nobody's been murdered, Mrs. Rose. I went into clean room four, and this old guy was, like, asleep in his bed. But, like, forever asleep. Like, checked out without pain asleep. <laughs> There's a scene... There's a scene where Catherine O'Hara's character, you, you're asked, you, you're going to move out of your rooms to make room for this dead body, basically, in this same episode. And Catherine O'Hara's character, you declare that it's not possible because that you don't have the staff to rebox her wigs. Yeah, and she says they simply don't have the skills. <laughs> yes, but after she said they simply don't have the skills, you notice my son David raised his hand as if to say, I do know how to box a wig. But conversation went on. Uh, Eugene Levy, I'm so happy to have you on the show. Thank you for coming in. Well, it's this. a pleasure to be here. Um, I have to say that I worked with my father when I was a young man. Uh, I Wasn't was... a pleasant exper- experience? Eugene... I love my father very Wouldn't much. Wouldn't want to I, do it twice? I, I want to be clear that I love my father, who's yeah, a great goes without man. Saying. I'm so grateful to everything he gave me in this life, including a job when I was 23 years old and indigent. However, no, it was a nightmare. It was a horrible nightmare. And yeah. I get along okay with my dad in general, but it was a horrible nightmare. Yeah, that's like having your dad teach you to drive. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, mistake. It's a mistake. Go to a driving school or yeah. somebody with a better temperament for that kind of thing. Eugene, did you pitch this to your son or did your son pitch this to you or was this like a weird Thanksgiving conversation? So when he came to me and said, uh, you know, I have an idea I've been thinking of. Do you want to work with me on it uh, for, for a t- TV idea? I was really kind of shocked. I mean, I was more than shocked, but I thought, wow, what a wonderful thing this could be. So that's how I went into it as a wonderful father-son experience. This is going to be just great, you know? And then I kind of woke up in a cold sweat one night uh, uh, and bolted up in bed thinking, whoa, 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 what (laughs) if he doesn't have it? What if he's not that good a writer? You know, once I realized that he can carry the ball and carry it better than I can, uh, I just stepped, you know, back. We started show running this thing together in our first year. And when I realized that he had all the skills and, you know, more skills in that department than I did to carry on with the show, then, then you know, by all means, he just – he. Uh, uh, took over in second year, took over the writer's room, and, and um, which was good for me because I didn't want to spend 10 hours in a writer's room every day. Um, but, um, yeah, it's been, it's been, it's been really, uh, really a lovely experience. When you were a kid and a teenager, did you think of your own parents as funny? Um, no, not funny, funny, like pro-funny, like, like comedy funny. Uh, my mom was, um, was kind of, you know, quirky. She was born in Glasgow and she had, um, her personality was funny. Your mother was from Glasgow. My stepmother is from Belfast. And I feel like there is something particular 
about the sense of humor of a person who has grown up where it is always dark and cold. Like, not like cold, 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 but just the way that it is today in Los Angeles. Just there's never quite enough light, and there's always a little bit too much water. There's no oh in Belfast yeah and yeah I think the well, same in Glasgow to uh, some extent I right? think oh I'm sure yeah Glasgow's not I think it's the weather there is not you know it's not it's not Greece um, but I think that's the the I think that's probably the uh, the the uh, the view that that most Americans have of Canada actually that it's just this cold bleak place and why do so many funny people come out of Canada um, when in reality it's yeah, it is kind of cold and bleak. I mean, it, there's no getting around that. But the sun does shine every now and then, and, and it does get hot. And you know, and if you love humidity, that's a that's a good thing too. But you know, it ain't California. <laughs> well, I think there's to some extent when it's beautiful outside, you don't have to be interesting. You can just go and go to the beach or whatever. No one has to entertain yeah. each other because everyone is just soaking up rays. And quaffing a brew. Yeah. Well, it's hard to believe that really funny people actually came from Southern California. <laughs> you know? Because yeah. it, I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying. You know, when it's cold and rainy outside, you got to do something to, you know, to uh, entertain or to keep things going. I think that's probably um, sort of depression's role is to really to darken the heart of a Southern young, young child from Southern California that they may grow up to be yeah. funny. Yeah. Well, something has to kick in to make them, you know, funny. Comedy comes out of, you know, how many comedians have said that come out come, comes out of a kind of a dark, tragic place, and that's not 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 always true because it's, it's. I mean, it's, it certainly wasn't true in my case. But then again, maybe I'm not that funny. <laughs> <laughs> maybe I'm not. Um, and actually, I'm not. That's the, the as a, oh, you know. Give me a, a, give me a no. break, Eugene. Hey, Hold on. Hey, wait. No, no, no. Hi, no. I'm here. I'm Jesse Thorne. I'm here with not no, that no. funny comedy no, no, legend, no. Eugene uh, no, Levy. No. I can. I, I, no, but you know what I'm saying as a person. When I'm around my funny friends, I'm laughing all the time. Uh, that's basically it. I do the laughing. They do the comedy. You know, but I'm I'm not as a as a as a kind of a person. I don't grow up thinking, "Ooh, what's the funniest thing I can think of now?" I I don't turn everything into a comedy, you know, into a comedy bit. People that think funny do that. That's their that's why they're you know they're being paid to do that. I mean, I never had the guts to go into stand up comedy. I went into improv theater, where if I'm going down. I want to take some people with me. <laughs> You're listening to Bullseye. I'm Jesse Thorne. Here with me now, the one and only Eugene Levy. I, I want to play a sketch from SCTV, uh, of w which you were one of the stars of, obviously. And um, I think this is both one of your great, um, one of your great straight man performances, and also just one of the funniest sketches. Just. The end. One of the funniest sketches. <laughs> um, it's called Half Wits. Uh, yes. <laughs> and I, I read secondhand that you wrote it, but was, was is that the case? Uh, yes, I did. I wrote uh, wrote all the Half Wits. Um, and the character that I did, which was kind of an Alex Trebek 
Um, yeah, his name's like Alex Tremaine or Tre- something like that. Alex Trebell. Yeah, I think we we called my character, so nobody would know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and originally, we there was a sketch on uh, an SCTV in our first season, I believe. It was called High Q. It was a high school game show that where I played Alex uh, Trebell, um, and that was written by Catherine O'Hara. Uh, where the host kind of loses, you know, loses it as the as the, the the contestants were just so insane and so ridiculously dumb that he would he would just lose it and go insane. So that was written by Catherine, and then I came up with you know halfwits based on the same host Alex Trebell and the same premise that. It's the contestants that are driving him nuts. I mean, it's a, it is like literally the simplest sketch premise you could possibly have, which is instead of being smart, the contestants are dumb. Um, the category in this, uh, it's like it's set up like Jeopardy. And the category that we're about to hear is European cuisine. I'm looking for one culinary dish from each of the following countries. First, Italy. Italy? Um, could it be cheese omelets? Cheese omelets, unbelievable. No, I'm sorry, that answer is incorrect. Alex! People, do not wave your hands. Use your bells, please. Use your bells. Use your bells, please. Thank you. Darren Peel. Is it Sparabs? Sparabs. No, I'm sorry, that answer is incorrect. I'm looking for a dish from Italy. Lawrence Orbach. Swedish meatballs. Swedish meatballs. Lawrence, can I ask you a question? Where the hell do you think Swedish meatballs come from? Arthur Andrew Liggett. Spain? (laughs) Well, (laughs) it was uh, really something. I... I, uh... Uh, the most fun to the most fun to play, obviously, are people that aren't the sharpest pencils in the drawer. And I got a chance to do what I love doing: reacting off those funny people. You, I mean, what, what I love about watching it—I I just watched it before we walked in here—is the specificity of each dumbness. Like <laughs> each each cast member has finely honed a very particular type of idiocy. Yeah, well, degrees of confidence, <laughs> I think. It's yeah. in terms of how dumb they are and how confident they are and how dumb, not dumb, they think they are. I grew up loving the uh, Saturday Night Live uh, Celebrity Jeopardy sketches, which are the same premise. And I was gratified to read... Uh, yes, one might call that... A lift? <laughs> Let's call it an, an homage. Yes. Well, that was the Norm. That was the Norm Macdonald uh, thing. That you know that whole thing that came out where you know the that the, where Norm admitted that in a that in a pitch he pitched the idea for this game show, one where he does Burt Reynolds and that yeah. thing where the, the contestants are dumb and the, yeah. and he said and I knew it was right right off uh, half wits from from SCTV, but I didn't care because it was funny. 
<laughs> he also and he he admitted that. In, he in he his... also claims he waited for Martin Short mm. to be a guest on the show, uh, so he could run it by him before they started doing That's it. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes. Anyway, it was an homage. <laughs> um, how did you end up in the Second City in Toronto? Uh, well, I auditioned for it. The Second City was uh, came up from Chicago and decided to open a theater in, in Toronto. Had you already uh, done sketch or uh, improv comedy? No. Well, I, I kind of got a taste of it. You know, it's funny uh, that, you know, about two years before Second City opened in Toronto, I was doing a movie... It was actually my f- <clears throat> first movie that I had done. I was like right out of school. It was called Cannibal Girls. And it was Andrea Martin and myself and some Toronto people. And Ivan Reitman was, was uh, d- producing and directing. I went to school with Ivan and we were friends. And, um, uh, and it was an improvised movie. And not not a, not improvised well, um, but it was an improvised movie. So we got a bit of experience in kind of working off an outline, and then you know, and then do, doing that, improvising, um, and also on the side. Once we started, when we started that movie, uh, about four four of us, Andrea Martin and two Toronto actors, that were in the movie, we decided to form an improv company. Um, and so we'd rehearse, rehearse, rehearse. We never performed anywhere, but we we would get together and rehearse, not knowing what really we were doing. Had anybody in the group had any training? Yeah. No, (laughs) no. And that's the key point here. No training and, and ending up with an end product. Not very good. So Second City, yeah, Second City. Well, auditioned for Second City and got in. We all—that's where I—I—that's I, uh, uh, where I met John Candy and Dan Aykroyd uh, and Valerie Bromfield, and uh, uh, so uh, that was the start. And once we get into Second City, I realized that this is once you learn the rules, the ground rules, the comedy rules. That that's when everything started to take shape. Um, uh, that was the best uh, school of comedy for writing or performing. It must have been an incredible feeling to feel like you were really doing something, especially when comedy is so inherently, you know, it's one of those things uh, that you have to convince people is a job. <laughs> You know what I mean? If you're talking to someone. Yeah, well, you're just funny. How much work can it be? Right. I mean, how much work can it be if you think you're funny and you're funny? Then you can be funny. You don't have to. How much work does it actually take? We worked so hard. We were working so hard. That was one of the great things of, of, of in this realization that, that what you were doing is actually great is because we were working so hard. We were just, you know, the hours put in, you know, writing and we were shooting and writing at the same time, kind of, you know, um, uh, long hours. And but, uh, you know, we were young and and uh, we didn't mind the work and the hours. We loved it. We loved what we were doing. But 
when that realization, when that lightning bolt came and it finally, wow, this is paying off in major dividends because the product is truly great. My interview with the great Eugene Levy continues after the break. Still to come, he'll tell me about the time he was asked to star in American Pie and why, at first, he said no. It's Bullseye for MaximumFun.org and NPR. This message comes from NPR sponsor, Smartwater. Smartwater is for the curious drinkers, the ones who are always looking for ways to make things a little bit better. That's why Smartwater created two new ways to hydrate. Smartwater Alkaline with 9 plus pH and Smartwater Antioxidant with added selenium. And now you can order Smartwater by saying, Alexa, order Smartwater. Smartwater, that's pretty smart. There's a multivitamin that can make our lives instantly better. All we need to get its benefits is to step outside. Nature and parks and greenery helps us be our better selves. The miracle of vitamin N in the latest episode of our U2.0 series on Hidden Brain from NPR. You wept as we crafted the tragic tale of Jar Jar, a Star Wars story. Yeah. Dude, like he forgives Darth Vader. Lisa <laughs> still love you, Annie. <laughs> you gasped out loud at the shocking twists of Face Off 2. Face is wild. He takes his kid's face. What? <laughs> we're writing an entire screenplay week by week on Story Bricks Season 2, Heaven Heist. Hey folks, Freddie Wong here with some exciting news about Story Break, the writer's room podcast where three Hollywood professionals have one hour to spin cinematic gold. We're shaking up our format by turning Heaven Heist, one of our favorite ideas we've ever come up with on the show, into a full screenplay. Heaven Heist is an action comedy about a crew of misfit gangsters robbing the celestial bank of heaven. Think of Coco meets Point Break. Join us as we write this crazy movie scene by scene and get an inside look at the screenwriting process on our podcast Story Break every Thursday on MaximumFun.org. It's Bullseye. I'm Jesse Thorne. My guest is Eugene Levy. He's starring in the TV series Schitt's Creek, S-C-H-I-T-T. Eugene was nominated for an Emmy for his work on the show. It's difficult to understand for folks who, I'm, I'm like on the cusp of this, but like for folks who grew up with Infinity cable channels and now literally Infinity sources of entertainment on the internet, how miraculous and special it was for people to see SCTV on their TV at one o'clock in the morning. Well, I think it was um, unbeknownst to us because at the time the show came on the air initially for the first three or four years, we were just basically going in, kind of doing the show, having a good time, going home and having dinner. We weren't even aware, I think it was in our second season or maybe third season, that the show went into syndication. We got syndicated to about 40 markets in the in the States. And, but we had no idea people were even watching the show um, until we started reading reviews uh, about the show. And we, we thought, oh, my God, they're watching this in Dallas? Oh, wow, that's incredible. Wow. My producer, Kevin, is so excited about this clip that I cannot not play it for you um and in fact i think what i will do is i'm going to play this clip it's of you my guest eugene levy and maybe you will recognize it maybe you will not i'm interested to know 
the don't mess with my bike hole. Hey, man, what are you doing on my street? No, I'm gonna pretend you're just lost or something, daddy-o. Give you till three to beat it, or you get stomped, okay? One, uh, what comes after one? Okay, okay, one, three, now burn rubber, kid! I don't have a clue. I First of all, I want to give you credit for really selling some material that may not be the strongest you've ever worked with. What comes after one? Career. <laughs> what comes after one? See, the, the character is dumb, so he it doesn't know the number after one. It had to be uh, many, many years ago because I learned you can actually fight to give yourself better lines. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Is it an animated thing? No. This is a Philips CD interactive game, which was a video game and, and like, uh, it was like a CD-ROM based sort of educational video game system that you could rent at Blockbuster Video. And it's a game called The Wacky World of Miniature Golf with Eugene Levy. Oh, yeah. You had, you had title credit in there. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Maybe I told him to add the word wacky uh, after, uh, after seeing the material. Um, I don't yeah, I remember that, the wacky world of miniature golf. And it was, well, yeah, it was a game. But I, oh, my God. Well, listen, you know, it's work. That's what I was, that's what I was thinking of when I saw this. Eugene Levy has never stopped working. You you work hard. You get gigs and you do them. Well, sometimes you just have to do things that, you know, I don't know. Yeah, that was that. I did another thing uh, up in Canada. Uh, Eugene Levy discovers home safety, and it was just like the same kind of thing, little vignette things about safety that I, was done in a day <laughs> or like an afternoon. A lot of stuff. Moving fast. Uh, and a lot of setups. I, you know, I just, you know, they're not, they're not on the uh, bookshelf. You know, they're not, they're not out anywhere. Um, hey, if you are you familiar with a website called YouTube.com? <sighs> People are typing in Eugene Levy's oh Home Safety. What was it? I can't <laughs> remember. What was it? <laughs> I. I don't know. Was it home? No, no, no. I, maybe it was not. Maybe maybe it was another safety thing. Maybe it was car safety. No. Anyway, don't go looking for it. So you reached a new level of fame, particularly in the United States from the American Pie movies. And I get the impression that you actually had some voice in your character when it came to you. Yeah. Because I can't imagine what it would be like. I mean, retrospectively, you say, oh, like American Pie, that's a generational touchstone. That's one of the biggest comedies of all time, whatever, oh, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, no. But like on the page, it's just a bunch of weird s sex situations. <laughs> yeah, no, no, I can't. I, 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 um, my manager sent the uh, script in, I looked at the script. So I said, no, I don't want to go in. And finally, it was like I credit my ma my ma my then manager, who must have called me like eight, ten times just to say, you should take the meeting. You're, you're the only adult in the movie. That's what it came down to. You're the only adult in the movie. And, and uh, you know, this is a good th thing. And they just want to meet you. And, uh, and so I said, finally, I said, OK. I said, I'll, all right, I'll meet them. So I went down and I met Paul and Chris Weitz. 
and uh, and uh, we talked about the thing, and and I said, well, listen, here's the thing, guys. I I don't I I just I don't like the the part. I don't like the role of the dad. I just it's not doing much for me, and it's a it's a really raunchy movie. Listen, I'm sure you guys will do a great job, and it is. And they said, please, please. What don't you like? I said, I don't like anything about it. They said, well, what would you change? I said, I, I'd like to change everything. So they said, well, well, you know what? Now, this is, they're shooting like in two weeks. And I said, uh, they said, well, next set, come in on set. Would you be willing to come in on Saturday with Jason Biggs, who's playing your son? And we can go through the scenes and just we can improvise. I said, yeah, OK, OK, all right, all right. So that's what happened. We came in and we started from scene one, and we just kind of improvised these scenes, and it was and it felt good. It was like fun working for me. It was kind of funny, and they were laughing, and you know, it was it was great. So then at the end of that, they said, "What do you think? This is what this this is what this is what this can be now." And I said, "Okay." So that was that. Uh, I started the movie, and the first day I got to the set, normally you get pages, you get what they call sides, um, which is the script, uh, the scenes that you're shooting that day, and they're miniaturized so that you can put them in your pocket. And I said, I didn't have any sides, and, and they said, oh, well, there, there must be, I'll, let me check with the directors, and then the, and then the AD comes back and says, oh, there are no sides for the day, so I went up to... Paul and Chris, uh, and I said, there aren't any sides for the scenes. And they said, oh, well, we thought you could just do them the way you did them last week. <laughs> I said, so nobody nobody wrote out what we were doing last week? And they said, no. So um, that was trying to then, so literally the stuff we were doing on the set was was kind of a, an extension of the improvisation that we that we did the week before. I want you to t continue to do them once a year forever. Like that's very important to me. Well, I, I haven't I, seen any of the later ones to be frank. However, it, I think it's so great that they continue that like there that you like it's like going to summer camp for you or something like uh, once every two years yeah, you show up on set yeah it was all right it was it's you know it's it's sequels are kind of you know weird you're you're in it's it's all very enticing because everything goes up all the money goes up and everything else and that's that's great american reunion the last one the last feature <clears throat> that was done was i think done with the same degree of um you know taste if you can use that word for american pie but it was it it had the same sensibility as the very first one. The the um, they they really tried to uh, keep, yeah, keep to do it right to, to do it right and bring back all the characters which they did. Um, but you know the kids now. I think the next one will be you know Jim's dad has the big stroke. <laughs> That's the one I can't wait for. Eugene Levy, thank you so much for taking all this time to be on Bullseye. It was so great to get to talk to you. Uh, well, this was a lot of fun. It was fun driving through uh, rush hour traffic and on a Friday <laughs> at 5 o'clock. i got to say, it was a lot of laughs. Thank you, Eugene. Thanks. Eugene Levy, Schitt's Creek, again, spelled S-C-H-I-T-T. -T. We actually have to say that. If you haven't watched any of it, you can stream the show on Netflix. It is worth your time. 
That's the end of another episode of Bullseye. Bullseye produced at MaximumFun.org World Headquarters, overlooking MacArthur Park in beautiful Los Angeles, California, where this week, Wilshire Boulevard, right outside our office, is being transformed into a weekend carnival. Looks like a lot of fun if you like Tilt-A-Whirls. The show is produced by Speaking Into Microphones. Our producer is Kevin Ferguson. He is away from the office, so Raghu Manavalan stepped in for him. Jesus Ambrosio is our associate producer. We get help from Casey O'Brien. And our production fellow is Jordan Cowling, who for some reason, I just learned, has a Gallagher record on her wall. Ugh. Our interstitial music is by DJW, also known as Dan Wally. Thanks to Dan for sharing it with us. Our theme song is Huddle Formation by The Go Team. Our thanks to them and Memphis Industries for letting us use it. And before you go, did you know that Bullseye has been around for almost two decades? That means hundreds of interviews with some incredible guests. Just this week, my friend Blaine Capach, who is one of the uh, funniest comedy writers and stand-up comics in the world, tweeted a little joke about the comic book American Splendor by Harvey Picar. And it reminded me that I had the chance to talk to Harvey Picar way back when. I mean, I'm talking about 15 years ago. And if you search for my name and Harvey Picar's, you can find that in the Bullseye archives. It is a great interview. He was like the uncle that you wish you had, assuming that you wish you had a a grumpy comic book writer uncle, which I guess I did. All our past interviews are on our website, MaximumFun.org. You can also find them in your favorite podcast app. We're also on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. This week's episode is easy to find on YouTube. Just search for Bullseye with Jesse Thorne. I think that's about it. Just remember, all great radio hosts have a signature sign-off. Bullseye with Jesse Thorne is a production of MaximumFun.org and is distributed by NPR.